Welcome to another special interlude episode of the Modern Lady Podcast. We are pleased to once again present this occasional feature, an homage to moments and stories of remarkable women throughout history to today. It's a mid-season break, a pause in the busyness of our days. Let this be a little bit of a respite for your soul as you take in the stories of the feminine genius in all of its varied and unique forms. So cozy up and hygge down, grab your mug and fill it with mulled wine, rich cocoa, or soothing tea. Sink into your couch just for a moment and join us for a tale. The Modern Lady Podcast now proudly presents Her Story, Chapter 3, Becoming Nigelissima. All right, here we go. Rolling sound, quiet. Here we go. And starting right on the lens. Ready? And action. She runs her fingers through her hair, her hair the color of marron glacé, candy chestnuts, her favorite treat to get in her stocking each year. This woman is stunning, like stopping traffic stunning. The rare kind of beautiful that everyone can agree on. Classic, entrancing, seductive. There is a camera crew all around her. The set is expensive and made to look like her own kitchen. There are twinkle lights everywhere. The kitchen looks well-loved, well-cooked in, not at all like a set. Hold still. Rolling sound. Silence, please. Lock it up. Sprinkled all over are personal items, a rustic carved wooden bowl in the shape of a pig. She keeps her garlic in there. You might spot her melting butter in the tiniest copper pot that you could use on a gas range, a gift from her late husband. You'll see her mother's wooden spoon, used so often that it's turning black like charcoal, marred by multi-generational cooking. She doesn't need a script. In fact, she can't work at all if it's scripted. She just talks as she cooks. She talks about food because she's always talking about food. She adores food. This is what makes her so appealing to audiences. You really believe that she does creep back down to the fridge and sticks her poshly manicured finger into the whipped topping of her cap pav, her cappuccino pavlova, while her family sleeps. She's just turned 60. She looks 20 years younger than that, but she is proud of her age, especially because she has suffered so many devastating losses, having lost her mother and sister at very young ages and her husband when he was just 47. She looks over at that small copper pot and remembers how it was all he could afford one year for Christmas early on in their marriage. And she reflects on how she got here, hosting multiple cooking shows and specials, author of 13 best-selling cookbooks, and how she became one of the few people around the world known just by her first name, Nigella. How was it that she, Nigella Lawson, only found her voice as her husband was losing his? Nigella met John Diamond in 1986 while they were both writing for the Sunday Times.
Nigella, a graduate of Oxford University, having majored in medieval and modern languages, worked first in publishing and then in journalism, being at times a literary critic and a food critic. She also did a bit of on-air reporting and can be seen on camera reporting on the death of Princess Diana. John was actually the extroverted one of the pair. He was dynamic, intelligent, hilarious. He lived boldly and said what was on his mind. In contrast, Nigella was, at that time, quiet, introverted, shy. Like many couples, these opposite traits linked them tightly together, each drawing off each other's strengths. In addition to speaking several languages, the one universal language that Nigella is fluent in is food. Even in her school days, in different apartments and with different roommates, her friends all talk about how full her fridge was, how she was a foodie before it was trendy. John convinced Nigella that how she feels about food is unique, that she has an instinct for food, for flavor combinations, for techniques, and that she needed to share all of her insights with the world. Nigella admits that she never had any big plans for her own life, no strong desire to create a name for herself, no real ambition. But John told her that she needed to write something that could help people feel the way about food that she feels. Her books, her shows, they are a continuing on of a conversation about food that she used to have with her mother and her sister before their passing. In fact, it was the passing of her sister Thomasina at the young age of 32 from breast cancer that finally spurred Nigella on to write her first book entitled How to Eat. She celebrated life when she wrote How to Eat. Life, pleasure, celebrations, holidays, family. These things are all entwined with cooking, with eating, with serving others. How to Eat was an immediate success. The title jumps out at you, and when you open it, it's unlike any cookbook that you've ever read. It reads like a novel about food. There are recipes, but they're interspersed throughout her memories and thoughts about food. There aren't any photos, no glossy photo spreads. It truly is a conversation about food. John had great plans for his wife. He really helped get her message out setting her up with interviews, and it really didn't take long at all for people to start to notice this woman. Gorgeous, well-spoken, obviously intelligent, and yet not afraid of food, of eating, of being messy. Tragedy was about to strike for a third time, though, for Nigella. John Diamond, her beloved husband, was diagnosed with throat cancer. John, a respected journalist and sometimes TV and radio presenter, would end up having surgery to remove his tongue. Their second child was born, a son named Bruno, and Bruno would never hear his father's voice in real time, just in recordings. Just at this time, when things must have been terrifying for John, he pushed forward, helping manage his wife's explosive fame. He was ambitious for her, seeing within her this great potential. Perhaps he sensed that his time on earth was drawing to a close, and that he needed to leave Nigella in a place where she truly could take care of herself where she could rely on her own strength, talents, and skills. It was at this time that Channel 4 in England approached the couple with a proposal to film a cooking show unlike any cooking show that's ever been aired before. This one would be up close and personal, a real look into their lives. Shot in their own home, Nigella could cook in her own kitchen. She could be natural and just chat as she worked, and the audience would feel like they were leaning on the counter, sipping wine with her as she cooked. The filming was choppy, with lots of close-ups, and the sounds of water boiling, the gas range clicking on, chopping, stirring, mixing. The audience was right up close. It was intimate and groundbreaking. 
No one had ever seen someone so strikingly beautiful shove a forkful of food into their mouth before, wiping their lips with their fingers, carrying the entire bowl of food with them to sit in front of the TV, or she'd crawl into bed with the food. It was shocking and a type of reality TV that was so innovative at that time. Nigella never wanted to film a television show, but John encouraged her to do this. He saw all that she could be when she still felt like a quiet little girl who grew up in the shadow of very demanding parents. Nigella's father is Nigel Lawson, a conservative career politician in England who served in Margaret Thatcher's cabinet and as the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Her mother, Vanessa Salmon, was a tragic beauty who seemed to be caught off guard by motherhood despite having had four children. She suffered greatly with an eating disorder, forcing food into everyone else while starving herself. You can see how food has been part of Nigella's story since the very beginning, how it can hurt, how it can heal. As filming was getting underway, Nigella had two small children to get off to school every morning, and these mornings would have been extra rough, as Nigella also spent almost every night at the hospital nursing her husband, John. Devastatingly, his cancer had taken a deadly turn, having spread throughout his body despite having had his tongue removed a few years earlier. The thing is, for the two and a half years that John couldn't speak, Nigella became his voice, and I mean this in the most literal sense. John would write things out for Nigella to say, or she would interpret his grunts and sounds, his attempts at speech that only she could understand, and would have to pass along what he was saying to the people he was trying to speak to. She often talks about how he would be saying something completely unsavory, perhaps a bit rude or with coarse language, a way that she would never normally speak, and he would make her say it. She wasn't going to deny the dying man the words he wanted to speak, so it really forced her to speak up, speak out, and to use language in a way that she, the previously shy woman, would have never used it. Nigella was 39 years old when she filmed her first television series, Nigella Bites, and it must have been such a blur for her, being a mother of very young children, spending her nights with her dying husband, but somehow, in the middle of such brutal chaos, Nigella grew into the woman that John always knew she could be. He helped her find her own voice by sharing his, and this gave her a fighting chance to bounce back after life had knocked her down so many times before. All right, here we go. And action. Being nearly 40, she had a relatively late start to the second phase of her career, this part being lived out in the public eye. And this should give all women hope that our lives aren't over until they are over, regardless of how much loss happens around us, that we have to keep living and sharing our talents. Nigella's success just continued growing. Her latest series, Cook, Eat, Repeat, is currently airing in England, and the accompanying cookbook is available to purchase now. She no longer films in her home. That became impossible as her children grew older and desired privacy. Her shows are a true delight, and it still feels like she's cooking for you, the viewer at home, that after the meal is done, she's going to sit with you at the table and devour it, licking her fingers just as she always has. So after 20 years, Nigella is still having this conversation about food. Perhaps she's talking to us, the audience, or perhaps she's still talking with her mother, her sister, and her husband, linked eternally with them, tied with bonds made from the memories of dinner shared, of meals cooked. Guys, we're going to I'm sorry. Let me down the camera. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I suspect that when she starts cooking, that film crew dissolves away like sugar into the frothy egg whites of a meringue, and she's still just a girl, cooking for the ghosts of the people she has loved before, and cooking for the people she loves now.
We hope you enjoyed hearing the tale of Nigella Lawson in this special presentation of her story. To get in touch with us here at the Modern Lady Podcast, please visit our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes of her story in the future. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.